Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's Tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Is Bill Lazor a good play caller, or is Matt Nagy such a bad play caller that it makes average look like Bill Walsh? Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. What the Bears are right now is what has been wrong with them for over 30 years. Just aim to be competitive and do your best to be average. And maybe we should just accept that. Because the front office sure as hell did. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. The games have been close because the defense, your offense, which you came in to revolutionize, has gotten worse as the years go by. It's Buffon 55, the John Buffon Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. I'm your host, John Buffone, and with me, as always, is my producer and co-host, Mieria Alyssa. The Bears get to follow up one primetime game with another primetime game. How excited are you? I just want to say I'm thrilled that the country gets to see the Bears on primetime and back-to-back weeks because they're just a team that you want to see in primetime and back-to-back weeks. No, I mean, because we, we saw how well that went last week. I mean, they were entertaining for a half. Maybe we get the same thing, but we know how this ends. Yeah, and I'm just tired of having to share the national spotlight where all football fans get to weigh in with their opinions of the Bears as if we haven't been watching them all year and we know what they are, but people have to just chime in and let Bears fans know how bad the team is. Yeah, we get it. But we have an awesome guest to help break down the Bears' next opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, a division rival that is still in the hunt for a playoff spot. But just in case this is your first time listening or watching Buffone 55, Alyssa, could you tell our beloved listeners and viewers how this show works? Of course. And how lucky for the Vikings. Good for them. Uh, Buffone 55 has three segments, and we start off with our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, 
his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. That's then followed by learning about the Bears' upcoming opponent from someone who follows him closely. And today we are thrilled to have Matthew Collar, who covers the Vikings at Purple Insider Pod over on Blue Wire. We then finish things up by going into Buffon's basement, where Aldo Gandia joins us, and we have a Bears therapy session and get out our feelings, which there are a lot of after that Packers game. So, John... I know this team takes a lot out of you and you've had a long day, but are you ready for this? I'm ready. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll try to put in the same type of effort that the bears put in. So I hope, <laughs> I hope that doesn't scare anybody away. <laughs> no, I think you'll put in more. Uh, so John, the bears almost looked like they had a shot Sunday night when they went into the locker room at halftime against the Packers. We talked about their fans being apathetic heading into this game, but what was this game like in your house? 55 seconds or on the clock? Well, listen, I did my best to keep myself from feeling anything because I didn't want my heart to get broken. But when they went up 10 nothing, I did everything I could to just, you know, really center myself. And then they and then I was they go they go up two scores. I'm thinking, okay, okay. Then the Packers go up 14 to 10. I settled down. I figured the universe was evening itself up. Then the Demir Bird touchdown happened. Jakeem Grant takes a punt 97 yards back to the house. And I started thinking, hey, the universe can go kick rocks. The Bears might be in this. Then, less than a minute later, the Packers scored. So, honestly, there was a big part of me that thought what the Bears were doing in the first half just wasn't sustainable. And it turned out it just wasn't sustainable. They got outscored 24-3 to in the second half. And the harsh reality hit everyone eventually that the Bears are a bad football team. So they found a way to suck us back in before aggressively spitting us back out. Bears fans, beware. It's a trap. <laughs> it always is. I mean, like heading into this game, I honestly thought that it would be over after the first quarter when you kind of look at where the Packers are and where the Bears are. And I mean, they surprised me, right? I mean, that was an entertaining first half. Yeah. Or like Matt Nagy said, he had had a lot of fun. Uh, probably as much in the second half. But, you know, kind of like watching the first half, I was like, you know what? I know how this is. I know this is going to end badly because we've seen this movie a thousand times with this rivalry, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. Right. And eventually, you know, like seeing Jakeem Grant and Demir Bird, you finally got to see the speed that the Bears had brought in in the receiving cores. And it was like, wow, it only took 14 weeks, but here it is. But, you know, at this point of the season where you've won four games and lost nine, I mean, you have to kind of enjoy the little things, like the small victories, right? It was nice seeing Jakeem Grant get, you know, an NFC Special Teams Player of the Week and get to, you know, score a couple touchdowns. Like, man, I was screaming during that punt return. That was exciting. So, I mean, we knew it was going to end badly, but you know, the first half is nice. Yeah. I, uh, I have my first half championship shirt ordered. It, it should be here before <laughs> Christmas. Uh, I'm going to wear it proudly. Yeah. I'm going to wear it proudly during the holidays. I'm going to put the first half score there and uh, the main, they might raise a banner for it. So, you know, you're right. Enjoy, enjoy the little things. Oh my God, they still would raise a banner for it. You know, when we go to the end of the year press conference and, you know, McCaskey and Phillips are sitting up there and they're going to be like, wow, you know, we go back to that Packers game, right? And you really kind of see how they made progress in that Packers game. They were leading at halftime, which is something we couldn't say before. Like, oh my goodness, I'm waiting for that. That's what they're going to, that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to credit all the progress for. Well, if you look over the season, we were winning in the first half against Green Bay. When you have to point to the most successful part of your season and it was leading a team at halftime. Eh, it might be time to shake things up a little bit. Oh, man, this is where we're at as Bears fans. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, you know, we talked a little bit about those explosive plays, and the Bears had some against the Packers with two big touchdowns coming from Jakeem Grant and another by Demir Bird. And one name that went rather unnoticed was Allen Robinson, who he actually 
return this week to the lineup. Like he was out in the field if you if you saw him, you know, and it kind of looks like he's entering his final phase as a Chicago Bear. So, John, you know, can you do you think that Allen Robinson is nearing the end of his career in Chicago? Your 55 seconds start now. You know, to me, Allen Robinson has been the biggest mystery of the entire 2021 season. When things were bad in 2019 and 2020, the constant was Allen Robinson eating up targets and putting up top 10 numbers. I don't know why he doesn't have chemistry with Justin Fields. If I had that answer, Alyssa, I probably wouldn't be on this show talking to you. But is is it scheme? Is it uh, Justin Fields? Is he hurt? Has he been gutting out an injury? I'll admit, the clip of him not blocking for Justin Fields against the Packers looked bad. You're told to play to the whistle, so even if he thought the play was over, he should have kept moving. Look, Allen Robinson is a player I respect a lot. He could be going full diva wide receiver right now on us and publicly denouncing the team and the coaches, but for the most part, he keeps to himself. All of that being said, I don't think it matters. He is absolutely gone after this year. Did 2021 affect his bottom line when it comes to a new contract with a different team? Maybe, but that other team's going to be getting a good player on a bargain price. Yeah, I think like heading into the season, we hoped that maybe the idea of playing with Justin Fields, this young up-and-coming quarterback we, that, we, that we thought was probably the best quarterback he's played with to this point. Oh, yeah you know, what would, would want to entice him to come back and like, just to kind of see how this season's gone. And thank you, Matt Nagy for that. Uh, it's just kind of been a disaster. And like you said, that play where he just completely gave up, like, you know, I don't want to question a player's effort, but when you see something like that, it's very telling. And it kind of just seems that he's just checked out at this point. Like he's ready for free agency. I, there's no way, no way in hell that he's coming back to the Bears next year. Uh, so, I mean, I love I love Allen Robinson. He's a great player. You know, he's been a great leader. And it's just kind of this season, it's just, you know that when Musa Muhammad said that Chicago's where receivers go to die, and I think that maybe just like emotionally, that's this is where they come to die. And you're starting to yeah. see that with Robinson. It's really frustrating because he's so he's such a, a better player than he's shown this year. I mean, it's 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 been really disappointing. <sighs> Yeah, I think Bears fans are disappointed, and you see you see them going in on Allen Robinson now on social media, and it's now it's to the point where remember going into the season, everyone had Allen Robinson's back as far as pay this man, extend a Rob, extend a Rob, because the hashtag was all over the place, uh, and now there's a different of opinion, uh, maybe because of this season, but is it effort? Maybe a little bit, or it, I don't, but. There's there's something else, and I and I wish I had something to say that was a little more tangible here because we're doing a show about this. But I really don't know what the biggest problem is. I wish I wish I knew, but I'm sure the Bears wish they knew too. Maybe they don't. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like everything just kind of it's it's just one thing after another. Because right, you have the whole disrespect thing, but you know that was the same last year, right? And he still kind of showed up. And you have his lack of fields, just the lack of chemistry. Justin Fields, like like you said, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And I mean, at the same time, I can't. I can't like fault him for being frustrated because man, this team is frustrating. And damn, Allen Robinson deserves much better than this. It's frustrating to watch. I can't imagine being on the team. <laughs> oh goodness, poor Allen Robinson. It's okay. You're gonna you're gonna get away from this. You know, unfortunately, Bears fans can't say the same. Uh, so we're going to move over to coaching, which is one of our favorite discussions here. Uh, so as if there isn't enough to already criticize Matt Nagy for, social media had an absolute blast with Nagy's halftime quote that he was having, quote, he was having so much fun. Uh, later on, Nagy always admitted that he would have rather have went for it on fourth and inches when the Bears were down 11 in the beginning of the fourth quarter. 
And it looks like Nagy will be the coach for at least another week. But John, are things actually getting worse or are we just piling on Matt Nagy? The clock starts when you do. <laughs> Alyssa, truly, we are witnessing the end times. During his post-game press conferences, he just looks defeated and out of answers. Every time I hear him say something is on the table or everything is on the table, I just translate that into, I don't know, please stop asking me. And, and he's not doing himself any favors either. When you're the head coach of a 4-8 and eight football team, the last thing you want your fan base to hear is that you're having a lot of fun, even if you are having fun. Keep that to yourself. Honestly, I think they should just fire the guy and stop putting him through this. I'm sure he knows his days are numbered. He can start his vacation early and still get paid. I'm sure he wouldn't mind not getting publicly ridiculed every single day of his life. Plus, the Bears need some sort of jolt to their system. The league did vote to allow teams to conduct head coaching interviews in the last two weeks of the season. And if the Chicago Bears don't utilize that, they are fools. This is probably... What is actually best for both sides, both the Bears and Matt Nagy, to just get be done with it as quickly as possible. And, like, I get it, Matt. Like, that first half was super fun. But, I mean, while you were busy having fun, Matt LaFleur and his team are busy making a halftime adjustments that you weren't able to do and you haven't been able to do. So it's just kind of like – I feel like this game was like an exclamation point. It's a microcosm of everything that's kind of been wrong with – Matt Nagy, and it just kind of felt like the bow, right? The like that, or the icing on the cake. And I thought if there was any time that you could part ways with Matt Nagy, even though they did kind of hang in there in the first half, the second half collapse would have been reason enough and would have been perfect for them to part ways with Nagy. So, I mean, at this point, I think that we're stuck with him the rest of the season, barring some just disastrous meltdown. I don't know. Do you get blown out by the Giants? Maybe that's enough. Like, I don't even. I don't even see that happening considering yeah. it's probably going to be Mike Lennon at quarterback. But like at this point, <laughs> it just kind of seems like we have to deal with him for another month, which I mean, as a writer, I'm happy about because it gives me plenty to write about. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's like the, everyone in the bears organization needs some sort of media training because it, it's the same thing as, uh, you know, Ted Phillips saying they have a culture that everyone's striving for. It's, it's Matt Nagy saying that, you know, he's having fun. It's it, it, it just reminds me of that Rex Grossman using new year's Eve as an excuse of why they lost a game that one year. Like I know it doesn't, directly impact the game or directly impact your team but when your fans are already coming after you you don't want to throw them any fresh meat and say now you can come after me for this and now you can you can ridicule me for this you just say we had a good first half we're going to make the proper adjustments even if you have no plans on making the proper adjustments you say that and you just say we're, we're going to keep our uh, feet we're going to keep our foot on the gas and we're going to try to finish this game out strong you know be like hey i'm having fun all right hey guys bears fans you having fun and then we're four or they're four and eight and now we're four and nine <laughs> so uh and those all of those things can come back and bite you maybe he doesn't care or but there needs to be a little bit of a, a awareness there from the moment that silent reporter was like man Aggie said he's having so much fun i'm like okay yeah we're doomed like any chance they had in the second half was completely gone after that. I'm like, this is going to end disastrously, and this quote's going to come back around, and it didn't. It just been – you put on any sports talk radio in Chicago the day after or two days after, and you're hearing that. It's just – oh, man, poor – like you said, with Matt Nagy at this point, you know, you want the guy to just, like, get, get rid of him so that he doesn't have to deal with this for another month because it's a lot of stuff coming at him, and it's not going to slow yeah. down. In fact, as we get closer to the end of the season, it's going to ramp up until they actually do something about it. And I, I thought Matt Nagy, you don't you don't want to resign because you don't want to feel like you're quitting on anybody, but you're almost thinking, well, 
can't they just let me go? I can start, I can start my off season a month early. I can, I can go on vacation. I'm still going to get paid. It's probably best for the bears organization to move on and start looking over thing and start looking over possible replacements. I just don't know why the McCaskies uh, and the bears organization are basically holding, <laughs> holding their fans hostage and maybe holding their head coach hostage. I mean, you look at him after the game and he just looks like a man that's just like his, he's like, defeated. His, his, his face is red. He's defeated. He's defeated. gone. He's like, why am I here? He's given up. White flag was waved probably a month ago at this point. And just, just let the guy, give the guy a break. Like, let him go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the bears are turning him into a sympathetic figure, which we never thought would actually happen. My goodness, man, this season is surprising for sure. Um, And as if being 4-9 wasn't enough, yes, we're one loss away from double-digit losses. Uh, Bears fans must be subjected to their team being trotted out onto the national stage for the second straight week. John, most fans like to watch their team in primetime, but is it actually making the 2021 season even more miserable for the Bears faithful? You have 55 seconds. 100% yes. It's one thing to have to watch this team look like trash amongst other Bears fans, but it's another thing altogether to see national pundits and football fans across the country just pick apart your team and make jokes, and then I have to listen to the commentators bloviate about how awesome the Bears' opponents are. Look, having your team play in primetime is something you should look forward to, but it just feels like the NFL is trolling Bears fans at this point by giving them so many primetime games. Quite frankly, If it weren't for the Chicago market, this team would probably get one Thursday night game per year. Then you can throw in the fact that I live on the East Coast, and their Sunday and Monday night games don't finish until after 11 p.m. That means I have to lose sleep and wake up irritable because the bogus Bears get another primetime game. But you know what? The joke's on the NFL. It's week 15, playoff races are running hot, and their primetime matchup on Monday night consists of two teams that are under 500, and it's probably going to be a really boring game. You know, I'm with you. Like, I'm also on the East Coast. So, like you said, 11.30, the game ends. And I have pl- I have a lot of ga- post-game stuff to do. I have to get the story up. I got I multiple do. posts to get up. I don't get to bed till 1.30 or 2. I'm just like – and it's just a loss. Loss after loss after loss. It's just really frustrating. And, oh, man, on primetime again, it's just like they're setting them up for failure. Or yeah. it, at, at the same time, like, when you see primetime like, – this is an opportunity, like, if they're embarrassed again against a Vikings team that is actually fighting to make the playoffs, unlike the Bears, who they're not technically eliminated yet, but they're they're eliminated. So, I mean, it's just like the national, like, the primetime stage is just another opportunity for the Bears to be embarrassed. And hopefully maybe that leads to change. Like, at this point, I think that change should happen, and we're expecting it to happen, but you never, you never know with this organization. We've been waiting for it, Alyssa, for almost a year. And it's just like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And so, honestly, it's it's to the point now where it's just like I'm not even expecting it anymore. I'm thinking it should happen, but I'm just like at the, I'm putting it in my mind that it's just not going to happen until probably mid-January or whenever, you know, week 18 is over. So, like, the, the second week of January is probably when it's going to happen. But I don't know why they should be waiting that long when they already know what they're going to do. Oh man, it's just an embarrassment. Uh, But John, if the Bears lose on Monday night, which is possible, uh, they will have double digit losses for the first time since John Fox's final year in 2017. But it seems like Bears fans punted on this team a long time ago. Uh, How did we get to this point where there are four games left and fans just don't seem to care? I'm curious to hear this one. So no clock, just talk. Have at it. 
Well, look at the current state of the team. They're currently in 15th place in the NFC. In case you didn't know this, there's 16 teams in the NFC. So they're just above the Lions, who traded away their quarterback, and they're in a blatant rebuild. We were sold a bill of goods by the Chicago Bears front office that this team could be a contender. Well, here's a quick fact. Since 2010, the Bears are only averaging one more win per season than the Detroit Lions. Does that put some things in perspective for you? At the end of the last year, we were told the Bears needed to show progress. Well, they're going to lose double-digit games this year. The defense is aging. They have limited draft capital. And we will see the same non-competitive product on the field every single week until the end of the season. What are Bears fans supposed to be excited about? Sure, Justin Fields gives fans hope, but in the short term, Bears fans are worried he's going to get hurt or ruined by the current coaching staff. So the indifference here is deafening, and it's going to be on full display Monday night for the whole country to see. We'll be back with more Buffon 55 after this. Welcome back to Buffon 55. Now it's time to learn a little bit more about the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to kick it back over to John to bring out our guest. John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Here to help us learn more about the Minnesota Vikings is Matthew Collar, who covers the Vikings at Purple Insider Pod on Blue Wire. Matthew, thank you so much for being on Buffon 55. How you doing? I'm doing okay, um, but I have to say that there is a tornado watch in my area, so I'm just going to keep one <laughs> eye on Twitter to make sure that my house is not going to get hit by a tornado as we talk. So forgive me if, if I'm kind of looking both ways, just or if I freak out and run out of the room, that's why. Right, so... Mm -hmm. I appreciate your playing hurt mentality here by just doing a podcast when you're in the middle of a tornado watch. So that being said, let's talk about, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to make a bad tornado joke, but let's just, let's just, let's just talk about the bears and the Vikings, which in itself is not nearly as exciting or gets the blood boiling. But I do want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings this season. Unlike the bears, the Vikings are actually in the playoff hunt. I love that term in the hunt. Uh, can you make a case for the Vikings on why they are going to make the playoffs from the way they're playing right now? I think that the case is more about the other teams than it is necessarily about them. I mean, Taylor Heineke is not only bad, but also is beat up. And I think there's 18 players on Washington's team that are on the COVID list right now. Um, Philadelphia, now they play each other, which is so no matter who wins, it's uh, bad for the Vikings, Philadelphia and Washington. But Philadelphia 
does not have a proven quarterback either. They have a pretty flawed football team. And then the teams that are chasing from behind, you have Atlanta's, uh, what, minus 118-point differential. They're a horrible team masquerading as an average team. And uh, New Orleans has Taysom Hill. So they've basically got a tight end playing quarterback at this point. The Vikings have a proven franchise quarterback, even though there's never-ending debates about Kirk Cousins and is he good, is he not good, is he clutch, is he not clutch, and all those things. But in comparison to these other quarterbacks, he's just much better than them. And I think the Vikings offense overall is better than any of the other offenses that uh, we're talking about here. On defense, of course, the Vikings have had some serious issues, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, But schedule wise, playing a team like Chicago two times, it basically sets you up for you need one win either against Los Angeles or Green Bay. They've already beaten Green Bay this year. So Um, you know, they have a chance to do that. I think that's why they have the best chance. But if you look at any of the odds, people, the analytics, when they run all the different scenarios, it's pretty much everybody's got like a one in three chance. Philadelphia could get hot. They win a couple of games. They could have a better record than the Vikings at the end of the day. And the Vikings are always capable of an unbelievable meltdown in Chicago. I mean, we have seen this so many times. I was just looking at the numbers And the Vikings have only won there in Soldier Field five times out of the last 20 games, I believe. I mean, that is unbelievable considering that Chicago hasn't exactly been a juggernaut over the last um, 20 years of success, as you guys know. So it's even against the spread I was looking up, like how many times that, that tries to capture, you know, how good the teams are. And the Vikings have not performed well even against the spread. Uh, in Chicago. So there's always that curse that exists or whatever it is that hovers over the Vikings where they could blow this. They lost to the Lions two weeks ago. Um, but I think if you're comparing who the quarterbacks are, the you know, fact that Justin Jefferson is here, Delvin Cook just went for over 200 yards, you would say they have a better chance than Washington or Philly. But I don't know that it's the most convincing case I've ever made. <laughs> And surprisingly, too, the uh, the Bears are five and one against the Vikings with Nagy, which just doesn't make sense. I mean, I think that's gonna that that streak's gonna be snapped because this is just not a good football team. But you know, you mentioned Kirk Cousins, and he's someone who has you know received flack around the NFL for the last few years. But like you said, he's actually provided stability at the position. And when you look at some of the other teams going for that wild card spot, and you know, with Cousins approaching the end of his contract coming up in a couple of years, you know, do you think that the Vikings will extend him, or do you think that they're going to start anew? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the uh, $45 million question here as uh, we go forward. I mean, it's something that we're talking about on a daily basis. And I don't really have a good sense for whether these final four games matter. I think if Kirk Cousins were to get the Vikings into the playoffs and take them deep in the playoffs, then yeah, he's their quarterback long-term. He's got one year left on his deal. He's got a $45 million cap hit for 2022, which basically leaves them with, you can trade him or you can extend him, but playing him on a $45 million cap hit is not feasible. Um, And that decision, I don't know if that's been made. I mean, I think that after they lost to Detroit, most people in the Vikings fan base got to a place where this can't really continue with Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and Kirk Cousins as sort of your triumvirate of leadership for the organization. Somebody's got to go. Something has to change. There are some people in the camp of, hey, Cousins is a good quarterback. They've just never surrounded him with enough. 
Um, but I, I think that there's a lot of evidence that would say otherwise in 2018, um, specifically that that final game of the year against Chicago will live in people's memories forever. I mean, Chicago was resting starters and the Vikings couldn't find a way to win that game and get into the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, Chicago actually plays a role in this. You, you In 2018, you go to Chicago sort of looking to prove yourself. And even though the score ended up being fairly close, Chicago mostly ran them out of the building. And it was a classic like national TV nightmare for cousins. And so if you go four years with the same quarterback in the NFL, think about any team like this four years, if you make the playoffs one time, they're changing that quarterback, right? Like no team sticks with a quarterback that long, even if the guy's on a rookie contract. And uh, so I think, you know, they're probably looking at that, the ownership of saying, yeah, okay. Cousins puts up these good numbers and he is a good player. There's no doubt about it that he's better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. And there's a lot of teams that would take him, but can you build around cousins with the money that you have? And can you do it soon? Like if, is, is it worth it? Can you even win next year? Is there some button to push? Is there some trade to make or signing that takes you from this mediocre level that they've been for four years over the top? And I mean, it's pretty hard to find that path. Well, someone who's not mediocre would be Dalvin Cook. Uh, he is coming off his best game against the Steelers, despite having a pretty significant shoulder injury or significant to normal people, I'd say. But uh, with uh, Madison on the COVID list, how important is Cook going to be to this team? And I know this is, um, I was going to ask, how is he performing with that injury? But obviously we know how he's performing with that injury. Is that going to slow him up at all? Yeah, well, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers did a huge favor by never tackling him. So, like, the, the injury didn't matter because he never got hit. And I'm not kidding. Like, the first half of that game, he was just not touched. And uh, it was a credit to the Vikings blocking, which has been very spotty this year uh, in their run blocking. In general, it's drifted off, but I don't know exactly what Pittsburgh was doing. I mean, when I looked back at the tape, there were so many baffling things in the first half from Pittsburgh that allowed Delvin Cook to do that. It's not something that you would expect every single week the rest of the way that he's going to run for 200 yards. And I don't know Akeem Hicks's status yet, but that will matter also that anytime Akeem Hicks is played against the Vikings, he eats them alive. And if you look at Delvin Cook's performances against Chicago, when Akeem Hicks is playing, it's usually well below his averages. I mean, he's usually around like three yards a carry um, when the middle of that uh, defensive line is stuffed up the way that it is. Uh, but we're also not talking about a Chicago defense that's anything like the Chicago defenses of the past that Cousins and Dalvin Cook struggled so much against. Like this is a bad Chicago defense that I think the Vikings can take advantage of. But we really saw it when Dalvin Cook is going – uh, it's very hard to stop the Vikings receivers. And we also don't know Adam Thielen's status yet. We'll find out tomorrow. Is he back at practice or not? Um, but, you know, Justin Jefferson, if you could put him one-on-one -on -one in any situation, he's going to win. He's going to create big plays. And if Delvin Cook is succeeding, it draws more attention, play action. Like we've seen this really play out over the entire time that Kirk Cousins has been here, that when Cook has success, Cousins has success. So there are, there are statistics and numbers that say, hey, you don't need a successful running game necessarily to hit on play action. But for this specific team, like that has always been the case. So if Dalvin Cook gets going, it becomes very difficult for anybody to beat the Vikings. 
You know, and speaking of those receivers, you said they were going to wait to hear about Adam Thielen's status. We know the threat that Justin Jefferson presents. You know, is there another receiver or another couple of receivers on that in the on the Vikings that could potentially step up in this game? Well, there's definitely not a couple because several of them are on the COVID list, like everyone else in the NFL. Um, and and that's another thing because of vaccination statuses. It's not like they post them on their website. So D.D. Westbrook, we don't know. Um, that, you know, their special teamer is technically a receiver, Dan Chisna, but you know, he's probably not a factor, but Westbrook would be the biggest one of someone else who could step in KJ Osborne though, for the Vikings has kind of been a bit of a revelation because for years, they just couldn't find another receiver behind Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, or Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And anytime either one of those guys was out, the passing game just went down and uh, the, having K.J. Osborne, he's come through in a number of clutch situations uh, that have been really big for them. And without uh, K.J. Osborne, they probably don't beat Carolina. Um, there's a few other games. I would say they, they probably blow it to Pittsburgh because K.J. Osborne caught a 62-yard touchdown that gave them a little more breathing room to not blow that game um, and, and let a 29-point lead get away, which is kind of who their defense is. Um, so K.J. Osborne has been a really big part of this and is developed from somebody who's drafted in the fifth round, had zero catches, zero targets. I don't even think he had an offensive snap in his rookie year. And then all of a sudden he comes back in OTAs and mini camp and training camp. We're saying like, who is this? Like, this is not the guy we saw last year. And so he's developed into somebody that can fill in for Adam Thielen and be trustworthy in that position. The only question is, is there anybody else? They're signing guys off practice squads and things like that. There really isn't. So they also don't have Irv Smith Jr. this year, so they don't have like the two tight end thing that they used to be able to do with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot of the fullback CJ Ham in this game, and, and they're trying to run play actions and deep crosses and things like that um, to try and get Jefferson and uh, Osborne deep down the field because there isn't a third or fourth receiver or a second tight end or somebody who's going to sort of pop up and surprise you and have a big game. You spoke about the tight ends a little bit, and I did want to bring up Tyler Conklin, who I think is on pace to have about 60 catches this year. Uh, what has been his impact on this team, and what can Bears fans expect out of the tight end position with Minnesota? Yeah, I think that uh, Tyler Conklin was a guy that they liked for a long time, and he was sort of buried as the number three tight end behind Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. And their offensive plan all the way until one week before the season was to play a ton of two tight end like they had before, uh, and have Tyler Conklin essentially be Irv Smith and Irv Smith move into Kyle Rudolph's role. Smith is more of a downfield threat, but you get what I'm saying. The the tight end one, tight end two. And then when Smith went down, it was really crushing to them because he's a dynamic talent who had a tremendous offseason. He was standing out on a daily basis in training camp. And so losing him was a huge hit to their offense. And I think that Tyler Conklin is filled in admirably. Uh, he has tremendous hands. He had a catch against Dallas where they ran a go route down the sideline and he mossed some guys. So he has just great hands, but he's not somebody who scares you or who you'd look at as like this big time threat. It's more of like, Oh, there's Tyler Conklin two or three times a game that shows up and every once in a while kind of catches the defense by surprise because maybe they don't expect him to go down the field or uh, they're looking for deep shots and things like that. And here comes Conklin underneath totally uncovered. It's not somebody, though, that like we're not talking about the next coming of Antonio Gates here. This is not like the guy you put the star next to. I think he's had a very solid year. He's done a nice job, but he's not somebody that's like a, a game breaker or or someone who you're 
you know, defensive staff is going to be saying, we can't let Tyler Conklin beat us. It's more of that. He sort of shows up at the right time uh, because there's so much attention on Justin Jefferson. And a big part of Dalvin Cook's 200-yard game last uh, last week was that Minnesota offensive line. What's your evaluation of this Vikings offensive line right now? And are there any areas uh, that the Bears can exploit? I mean, there definitely are. They're coming off by far their best game. I mean, not even close against Pittsburgh. It certainly helped, though, that T.J. Watt got hurt, I think, in the first quarter or maybe the second quarter. And um, they had a couple of other injuries and then just played really poorly early in that game. So the Vikings offensive line is probably feeling pretty good about themselves. But on the whole, it has not been a good year. I mean, if you look at the PFF rankings for pass blocking, they're all the way at the bottom as they so often are. Um, and, you know, the, the run blocking has been subpar this year. And, and really until that Pittsburgh game, we were saying, you know, Delvin Cook really hasn't had the same year as he has the last couple of seasons. And a main reason is that run blocking and not having extra tight end help uh, has certainly been a big deal. Christian Derisaw was starting to come along. Their first round draft pick is somebody that was uh, becoming reliable and really effective and sort of showing this high end of different size, strength, athleticism that you just, you know, that's rare that you draft in the first round. And then he got hurt with an ankle injury. So they moved their right guard to left tackle which is very, very difficult, but also their right guard, Oli Udo, is really inexperienced at playing right guard and has never played left tackle. And so we've seen that play out a few times that it's it's just tough for him. Um, and so if Darisaw is not back this week, which I, I don't know, they didn't put him on IR, so it's possible uh, that he could come back. Normally we'd have some more answers in the middle of the week, but the Monday night thing throws it off that we haven't been out to practice yet. Um, but if Udo is at left tackle, that's Chicago's chance is you have this extreme weakness at a very key position. And Kirk Cousins, though he has done a great job this year of not getting sacked, is always prone to the strip sack or to the, the, the big mistake. He was pressured 11 times against Pittsburgh. He went 0 for 11 passing when he was pressured. So that's kind of the one big weakness, but also the interior. If Again, if uh, Akeem Hicks is in and if Eddie Goldman comes back off the COVID list, the interior of the Vikings offensive line is as bad as it's been before. Um, if you guys have in, enjoyed watching um, Garrett Bradbury be picked up and walked back into the quarterback in previous years, well, you're likely to see it again. Um, so they've, they've improved a little at right guard by having a veteran and Mason Cole in there, but it is still an offensive line that has one really good player and everybody else is pretty spotty. I want to switch sides of the ball now because the strength of the bears offensive attack would be it's rushing game. Uh, until Matt Nagy ultimately abandons it. But at the, at before that time, it's usually their strength going into the game. What can Bears fans expect out of the rush defense of the Vikings? Can the Bears have some success on the ground against Minnesota? Yeah, I think everybody has. Uh, now, it certainly helps that the Vikings have gotten back Michael Pierce and Delvin Tomlinson. They had to miss those guys for a couple of games. Tomlinson was on the COVID list and Pierce had an elbow injury that kept him out. And that was a big deal for them. And they basically got steamrolled in the running game. Uh, there was a play I remember against Detroit where Jamal Williams ran for 11 yards up the middle without having anyone touch him. Like not a fingernail was laid on this man for 10 or 11 yards before the Vikings finally sort of gathered around him. Um, that's not going to happen so much with Tomlinson and Pierce in there because those are two uh, gigantic human beings. Where the real serious weakness for the Vikings is, is that defensive end. 
Um, they do not have anybody who is good against the run at defensive end. Now that uh, Daniil Hunter is out and uh, Everson Griffin is away from the team. They are good sideline to sideline with Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr. But what often happens is offensive linemen can sort of get off of their blocks, uh, tackles get off of their blocks and get out to the, um, you know, the linebackers, guards or tackles. And, and it's just been really tough this year for the linebackers because the defensive line has not been anywhere near as stout as it has been in years past under Mike Zimmer. And when you have those defensive ends, if you run out of the shotgun and you do sweeps and things like that to the edges, I mean, that's where most people have had a lot of success against the Vikings. It's a serious weakness, but you mentioned going away from the run. This is the one thing that head coaches and offensive coordinators have been doing against the Vikings that has cost, I think, other teams games against the Vikings is going away from the run. Uh, we saw uh, the Chargers do this, and I think it cost the Chargers the game. They were up in the second half. They ran two or three times in a row successfully and then said, oh, you know, we've got to go back to Herbert. We've got to push the ball down the field. A couple incompletions later, the game swings entirely and, and gives Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins a chance. I think if the Bears stay with that run game and don't get impatient, that you can wear down this Vikings defensive line. And we've seen a couple of teams, especially San Francisco did it brilliantly. Um, you can, you can do that uh, against this Vikings defensive line. Uh, the other, the other thing too, is though, that the cornerbacks for the Vikings are really struggling with tackling. They have two of the, the lowest uh, or the worst tacklers in terms of missed tackle percentage in Bashad Breland and Patrick Peterson. I think that's really the key to beating them is can you make those guys, can you sort of, uh, isolate those guys and make them make tackles, and then you're probably going to have success. And the Bears have struggled protecting the quarterback this season, be it Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, and that's not exactly encouraging considering they're about to face a Vikings pass rush that has the most sacks in the NFL, not to mention that Jason Peters, their starting left tackle, likely will be out, and Larry Borum, their starting right tackle, is just placed on the COVID list. So this is going to be interesting, and do you think this could be a long night for Justin Fields? Yeah, I do, especially because Mike Zimmer is so good at dialing up blitzes. Uh, I mean, they lost Daniil Hunter in, I would I think it must have been like week nine. And then Everson Griffin hasn't been there. And they have, even though they've gotten those sack numbers, they have not consistently pressured the quarterback. Um, for the most part, it's been quarterbacks getting clean pockets against them. If you look over the numbers from Roethlisberger, Jared Goff was hardly pressured at all in that Lions game. Uh, but the thing about Roethlisberger and Jared Goff is that those are veteran quarterbacks. Goff may be bad, but he's been around. And uh, Roethlisberger may be bad, but he's been around. So it's not like you could just say, oh, well, we'll dial up some blitzes and that will mess with them and then that'll be that. Um, with Justin Fields, I, I think that he's really struggled with blitzes. Uh, the numbers bear that out. He's really struggled when under pressure. Uh, and I think the Vikings will do everything they can to mix up coverages mix up their looks on third down. I mean, if you can get them to third down and long, especially this is where Mike Zimmer is masterful. The Vikings have a bad defense, but their third down defense is still one of the better ones in the NFL because that's where Mike Zimmer can pretty much go into his bag of tricks. And I was looking up Mike Zimmer against rookie quarterbacks. His numbers are just remarkable over his time in Minnesota against rookie quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky found that out um, in 2017, a couple of times with some really ugly games against the Vikings. And I think, uh, you know, that probably is going to be the case for Justin Fields unless he can make some big plays down the field early in, in first down or second down off of play action, which I don't think Chicago uses to its full effectiveness. Um, if they can get in second and shorts with successful first down runs, like that's the thing that everybody 
wants to do. Like no one wants third and longs, but it becomes especially important with a rookie quarterback against a really masterful defensive mind. You bring up Mike Zimmer, so I, I got to ask, if the Vikings do not make the playoffs this year, there have been talks, and mainly from fans, about uh, the security of his job. If the Vikings do not make the playoffs, what is your prediction for Mike Zimmer? Will he be the coach of this team next year? I don't think so, no. I think it's even possible that if they make the playoffs, he's not the coach of this team next year. I mean, if they go 8-9 and nine and they get in because some other teams melt down and then they lose in the first round to Arizona or something, I think they're going to be looking for changes. One thing, I, I don't think that there's an easy path to rebuilding their defense. Like if you look at the cornerback position, they drafted a couple of bust first round corners. And so then they had to scramble and go get Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breeland, Mackenzie Alexander. These are just guys. Uh, and they've really struggled this year. And so there's questions like, Oh, did Zimmer not do enough? But when you have a quarterback that's expensive as Kirk cousins and you've paid everybody, they've paid Thielen cook, Anthony Barr, Kendricks, Harrison Smith, you've given out all these big contracts you either have to hit on draft picks or you have to hit on these, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel type of free agent signings. And they've really hit on neither one of those outside of Justin Jefferson. Um, and, you know, I guess Xavier Woods has been an okay signing, but not a difference maker. But these cornerbacks have just gone bust with the signings. And, I, and you look at it like, well, how do you fix this? How do you fix this next year? Well, the way to fix it would be to trade Kirk Cousins, draft another quarterback, and then sort of hit the entire reset button on your franchise. Is Mike Zimmer really a fit for that? Probably not. Can you give him a good enough defense if Cousins stays in win-now mode? Probably not. So like, I think even from that perspective, even if you believe that Zimmer is a good coach, which I do think Zimmer is a, a good coach, uh, he's much better than some of the bad coaches in the league. I can tell you that. Like when you're looking from afar at uh, Urban Meyer or any of those guys, you're like, okay, guys, uh, don't uh, underestimate how good your coach is. You can, but, you can Maggie, say his name, Matt. You can say it. You can, you can say it. You can say his name. It's okay. Maggie. I can't because they're five and one against the Vikings with Matt Nagy. So you really can't. There's, um, but you know, I, I mean, you look at, uh, some of the bad coaches in the league and you say like, man, Zimmer's a lot better than a lot of these guys. There's a reason he's had his job so long. I don't, I just don't think it's a fit anymore. I think Zimmer would be a much better fit for a team. That's just about to take a step to be a legitimate contender. And then he can elevate that team to get there. I'm not sure that he's a good fit for a team that really has to take a step back. And if they don't take a step back, and reset in some way or another, you're going to end up just repeating history and being eight, nine or nine and eight next year. And, and what, what is the point of doing that? So I think that ownership is probably at that point where they know like this probably is it. And you have to change, even if they think that he's still a good coach. Man, it must be nice to have ownership that knows when it's time to let go. <laughs> coach. Um, but uh, I got to ask, because we always get a kick um, of talking about opposition special teams, especially considering right now for the Bears, that's their best unit. Um, can you give us a quick profi profile of the Vikings special teams? Is there a player that Bears fans should be looking out for? Well, I would say yes, but the guy's on the COVID list. So there's uh, one <laughs> off. Um, so the, the COVID bowl. Actually, so, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few things to, to watch for here with the Vikings. I, I was referring to their gunner, who's not that important. It's really um, Kenne Wongwu is special. 
you know how good Cordero Patterson was. Well, Kenny Wong reminds me a lot of Cordero Patterson. He's big at six foot, over 200 pounds, but he's also a 4-3 guy. And he has a great sense for just all the moving parts to a kick return. And he's returned two for touchdown already. I suspect the Bears are going to be kicking out of the back of the end zone. But if you don't, he's got the green light to take it out and he can take one back at pretty much any time. Um, I would also say that just all of their units are better this year by wide margins than they were last year. You guys remember in the Chicago game, Mike Zimmer screaming at his special teams coach. Well, his former special teams coach was not good at his job. His current special teams coach, Ryan Ficken, is good at his job. So they've been good on all the coverage units. The returns have been good. D.D. Westbrook on the COVID list has been good in terms of putt return. I know, putt returns, uh, even if he's risky at times. But I would say, other than Kenny Wongwu, the uh, star of the show is Jordan Berry, their Australian punter that they picked up right before the season. I mean, he has a monster leg, and he has flipped the field a couple of times in really important situations that help them. Um, I mean, that should be, I mean, it's super football-y to say, but, like, it's a, it's a big part. Like, you've got a great punt returner. You've got a great punter. You've got good coverage units. you got a good kick returner on the Viking side. Like, it could make a difference in a game like this. Oh, it absolutely could, especially against a game where it could get real boring or ugly against the Chicago <laughs> Bears. But uh, I do want to ask you kind of a two-part question. It's kind of a it's a little game showy, but we're gonna try it out anyway. The Bears can win this game if blank. The Vikings will win this game if blank. So go ahead and give the two scenarios for the two teams how they're gonna win the how they're gonna win the game. Yeah, I would say the Bears can win this game if they strip sack Kirk Cousins or if they cause a couple of turnovers or if Cousins just doesn't play well. I mean, three out of the last four games, he has been below average um, for what we expect from him and from his PFF grades, his QBR, all those things. Like, he hasn't been that great. So if there are turnovers, if there are strip sacks, if there's a bizarre interception, which you guys have seen before at times against the Chicago Bears, the one in 2018 uh, at Chicago sort of comes to mind where he just floated the ball over Kyle Rudolph for an interception. I actually had two of them that were surprising that night. So there are times where cousins just sort of has a moment and turns the ball over. I think that's possible um, that uh, Chicago can win the game that way for the Vikings. I mean, it's entirely Delvin cook, Justin Jefferson. If those guys are succeeding, the Vikings can win uh, because I don't think that Chicago has any chance of matching the Vikings score for score. If you get in that type of game, if it's a grind fest where uh, Chicago is controlling the game and they're slowing down Delvin cook, then they've got a shot. Um, but if they're not like I mean, last year, really, they did not slow down Justin Jefferson. He completely dominated the Vikings one. I think that's their path to winning again. I know that's not a hot take, Hey, if the best player on the Vikings is good, they'll win. There you go. But it's that that's been the case all year. And so with that said, before we go, I get your prediction for this game, although I think I know where you're leaning. I, I mean, I think if you're the Vikings, uh, you have to win this game. Your back is against the wall for the playoffs. And uh, usually Mike Zimmer's teams do not just sort of lay down. They've had several different times this season where they could have. Uh, even last week, uh, you know, uh, they're blowing a lead. They find a way. They were coming off a loss against Detroit. They find a way to stay stick around. So I think they'll do that again, despite the curse that the Vikings have in Chicago. I mean, I don't know. I would go something like 27-13. Chicago's offense is just so poor that I think even a struggling Vikings defense um, can slow them down enough. That's what I'll go with. But I will say, it's been such a weird season for the Vikings. I've predicted every game wrong. Every single game. I think I might be over the entire season with predictions. So now that I've said that, Chicago might win. <laughs> 
Well, we'll be honored to be the first game that you get correct because I I'm kind of I'm on the same but I said 26 uh, 17 Vikings last night and I'm gonna stick to that one but uh Matthew before we get you out of here we have a lot of fans that follow the NFC North very closely can you please let us let us know how people can follow you on social media see your work listen to you Sure. Uh, you've got it at the bottom there at Matthew Collar on Twitter is the best place. Um, Purple Insider on Twitter also is a good spot to find all of our stuff. We're tweeting out, you know, clips and uh, articles and things like that. And uh, if you're interested in listening to the podcast, just wherever you get your podcast, type in Purple Insider and you will find it. And uh, we'll have some some Bears interviews and things like that coming up if people want to check it out. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, thank you so much. And not just for coming on, but for, you know, and, and for risking whatever. I hope you're staying safe down there for whatever weather you got going on down, down there. We truly appreciate you taking some time to break down the Minnesota Vikings for us. We'll talk to you down the road, but thanks so much for being on Buffalo in 55. Sure. If it's the last thing I ever did, then uh, at least it was football and I'll be happy. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> please, thanks for having please, me, please, please, Yeah, please, please stay safe. We'll talk to you down the road. Yep. Thanks, we'll be back with more Buffalo in 55 after this. Welcome back to Buffon 55. John Buffon alongside Alyssa Barbieri. It is time for Buffon's Basement. That's why I have my hat turned around backwards because I'm a hip, cool kid. Alyssa and I are going to walk down the stairs in the basement. We're going to dust off that old antique we call Aldo Gandia. Aldo, knock, knock, knock. Are you there? I am here. How are you guys? (laughs) Doing pretty well. After listening to that interview with Matthew, are you feeling more confident, less confident about Monday night? Oh, I'm the same. I think the Bears are going to lose. I don't think they're going to win another game this season. Um, And uh, my only concern now is the the watch, meaning, you know, watching for when the McCaskies are going to get off their butts and announce that they're doing something big. Well, that's that's what I wanted to start off with, because. I think today the owners voted on officially allowing the teams to interview. I think it was, it was all, but it was all formality for the most part, but they're going to allow teams to interview candidates for, uh, for the last two weeks of the regular season. I know the bears have never fired a coach in the middle of the season. Like I said before, maybe they should have, maybe they should have fired Mark Tressman. Maybe they should have fired John Fox. Like, like, like this is some kind of badge of honor they wear by not firing people in the middle of the season you need to move on as soon as possible. So does this, do you think, Aldo, sway the franchise to say, you know what, a two-week head start on everybody else might be good if we're going to start looking for candidates? Or does the whole thing with Ryan Pace kind of throw a wrench into things too? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the whole thing is bigger than the coach. So it, it really, you know, Dan Weederer uh, wrote this great column that Alyssa pointed out to me. You know, I, I think they need to make some moves at the very highest off, uh, offices at Hallis Hall. And that's the, the chairman of the board and the president of the team. The organization has to look at this 11-year run by George McCaskey and say, this isn't working, George. Um, you know, you had your run on it, just like your brother had your run on it. We're ready to make a change. And so they need to bring in a new chairman and a new president. Uh, in the Dan Weeder article, uh, he, he, meant, uh, he writes that apparently Ted Phillips has told confidants that maybe it is time for him to step to the side and bring in somebody with football knowledge to handle the part of the role that he handles with football operations. I'm not saying that he's going to go away completely, but um, I, I think that's the bigger issue here is do the Chicago bears from the very top realize that the upper management is not getting it done. And do they have the guts, the courage, the balls to make some dramatic moves because that's the only way you're going to win the confidence of fans. We're all tired of it. We're all tired of it, and 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 it's moved beyond being tired. It's gone into apathy, and uh, you're going to see a lot of empty seats Monday night, and and rightfully so. So it's time that the Bears do something dramatic. One thing that I found interesting about that, and I, and uh, Alyssa, you were all over this. You know, Ted Phillips might consider stepping away from or hands off on the football side. But that's getting completely hypocritical of what was sold to the sold to the fan base at the end of last year, where George McCaskey said that Ted doesn't meddle with football operations. Yeah, he's the president, but he doesn't meddle with football operations. He doesn't have anything to do with football operations. They're just trying to downplay those rumors as much as possible. And now there's reports to say, oh, maybe I'll give up some of my control of football operation. Okay, so you're lying. Either if if all of that is true, then you're lying. So Ted, the the accountant, the tax guy, the guy who makes you money on for the business side of the team, has been running football operations, and all of a sudden, you it took you thirty years to realize maybe we shouldn't have our accountant figuring out personnel on the football side. That's like that's like asking my account my mechanic to set up my four hundred one k. Like it's it's just not it, you you should not you put the right people in place, which is why. Although you and I haven't beaten the drum for this about a, a VP of football operations. Now, yeah, they could they could certainly screw up that hire, but but at least they would bring in somebody who knows football to screw up the football operations. I'd rather have a football guy screw up the football team than a tax guy screw up the football team. Mm -hmm. So, Alyssa, I'll, I'll come back to you on this. If Ted relinquishes whatever meddling or whatever, you know, whatever he does, whatever the hell he does, because no one seems to know, but whatever he does – what do the bears do then do they bring in because uh do they bring in that football person to be the football operations guy and then they hire the gm and then they I sh i'm saying guy but it could very well be a woman as well uh the, the football person to hire a gm and to hire a head coach yeah first off i'll have an aldo's drinking like i'm, <laughs> 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 I'm like all this conversation about it it's just kind of like oh um yeah i'll take some of that but yeah john like what you were saying i think at this point like if they do decide to do that which i mean that's the first thing i thought of too when he's like oh i'll step away but 
we at that press conference at the end of the year, they just continually insisted, no, 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 he's not involved in football operations. So they're lying to us, which isn't really a surprise considered. That's probably where Matt Nagy learned it at this point. But if they do, if he does step away from football operations officially, then yeah, you have to bring in a football guy. Like you said, John, if, if they get GM hire wrong, and then he gets the head coach. Well, at least you have a football guy that's making those mistakes. So, I mean, at this point, if that's if that's being discussed, because there's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation about a front office restructure. It's not just one report. It's multiple things. So I think this is a very there's a very good likelihood that this is going to happen. It's going to be a lot of change this offseason. So I, mean, I definitely think that that's an avenue that they could go, especially when these leaks are happening. You know that they're kind of gauging their reaction, too. Right. So. I mean, if this at this point, the way the season has transpired and, you know, when George McCaskey being in charge and Ted Phillips and just the mediocrity, the way this is all transpired, they have to try something else at this point, because if not, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. Another four years down the line, then you fire another GM and another head coach, and it's just a continuous cycle. And the team's not going anywhere. So and poor Virginia, my goodness, get her a playoff one before she dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know. This is going, this is kind of running rampant amongst fans, especially Bears fans. The apathy, and we keep talking about that, the absolute apathy. Aldo, Alyssa, throughout our lifetimes, Aldo, you more so than us, but have seen some really bad Bears teams, have seen some really awful football being played. Has it ever been this level? Maybe not as far as bad football team, but as far apathy towards the team where it just seems like, okay, they're probably going to lose whatever. Like it has there ever been that level of who cares whenever we're talking about the Chicago bears, did it ever hit that level in your lifetime? Aldo? <laughs> Unfortunately it has <laughs> because I go way back to the 1960s and we had uh, games here in Chicago blacked out like week after week after week, because if the home games were not sold out, that uh, 72 hours before game time, then the network was not allowed to broadcast that, that game to that city. And so this happened for two or three years, 1969, 1970, maybe 1971. And I had to listen to all the games, all the home games on the radio. So things were really, really bad back then, which is what motivated George Hallis to bring in Jim Finks because he saw the success that Finks had with the Minnesota Vikings and turning that expansion team into a quick winner. So yeah, it has been uh, this bad before. And I'd like to uh, uh, make a point regarding this uh, uh, Ted Phillips row that we were just talking about in that article that Weederer wrote, he said that, okay, so if you have somebody who is at that position, who is president of operations and he's totally outside of football operations. He's left everything to Ryan Pace. Well, shouldn't that guy at least have input on managerial things? Maybe you should consider this, Ryan, or maybe you should consider that, or have you structured this correctly? Offering advice that would help the general manager be a better leader. And the other thing that was brought out by one of a uh, former player is is Ted Phillips having lunch and dinner and drinks with football people? Is he learning about football so that he can have better, more informed conversations with, with people? Well, we don't know that because Ted Phillips has never uh, consented to do an interview where we fans can kind of gauge what he knows and what he doesn't know. 
probably because he doesn't know much and he doesn't want to reveal that. Like you said, John, he can probably balance our checkbooks really, really fast, but he obviously can't build a team really, really fast. So I apologize for taking the conversation off track, but I really wanted to share that. No, you're absolutely right, though, because you're, if he did do an interview, it would almost be like exposing himself of not knowing not knowing what he's doing. It's that old adage, and I'm going to screw this up royally, but it's like it's better to keep your mouth shut and people assume you're stupid than to open your mouth and prove them right. So he's just going to just lay back and be like, say all you want. I know what I'm doing. But it, it, it's to the point now where if you don't do a wholesale change, and, and it's – I, I see that the, the 60s and 70s did have some of those apathetic times. But now, listen, football is the main driver of professional sports in America now. Yep. So, so it's 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 different. The, the, the whole atmosphere of this global game where people can watch from anywhere in the world, they can watch on their phones, they can watch on their computers, their TVs, anywhere in the world they can watch this game now. All of a sudden, the Chicago Bears are not interesting to people who, who follow the Chicago Bears. And that maybe that's my millennial speaking, where it's just like, holy crap, I'm bored. Maybe it's our small attention spans. Maybe it's just like, oh my God, if you're not going to change it now, I'm just, uh, of course, I'm going to watch the game. And of course, I'm going to do a show about it. But it's getting increasingly hard to do shows about this team. It's getting increasingly hard to bring up, to talk about the same things every week about this team, because they seem that they're just, they just found their, they found their groove and they're going to stick with that until, until January. So it's hard to just see the same thing over and over and over again and get excited about it, especially when it's so sub average. So Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're just looking at this product and it's, and it's just baffling because something that is, honestly outside of you know family and all this other stuff is my most favorite thing in the world as far as sports goes and i'm becoming almost indifferent to it and i hate that i hate that so much that it angers me that they're doing this to me i'm angry at the bears for making me not care about the bears so they need that there needs to be some sort of and can you imagine being a player in that situation and i think that a lot of the times we just assume that you know players are nothing but football 24 7 and after the game on sunday they go back into their pretty packaging and they're on the shelf until sunday again and they're all about there there's these these football robots no they're humans and they can see exactly what's going on they're in that culture where they're like, well we're not making the playoffs i wonder where i'm going on vacation or i wonder where i'm going to be playing next year or maybe i should keep myself healthy so i can get a contract next year i don't want to blow out my knee for a four nine team and so there's there's so many human aspects that go along with this that it's if we're indifferent to it i'm sure there are a couple players that are indifferent to it as well. I'm not saying I'm not saying all the Chicago Bears are indifferent to this losing. I'm sure I'll, most of them want to win. But whenever you're eliminated out of the playoffs, you maybe start thinking a little bit differently sometimes. And so I I know in this whole long soliloquy that I'm giving you guys, it's me just saying that I'm mad that I I'm mad that the Bears aren't actually doing something. I'm mad that the Bears didn't get a a, a fire lit under their ass to actually make a change somewhere. And I'm hoping that happens. Uh, Alyssa, I'll ask you this though. I did because I didn't get I didn't get your answer whenever we first whenever we first started it. Do you see Matt Nagy being here the entire season? Do you see him being here? Aldo says that it, you said yes, right? Aldo, yeah, I think it doesn't matter. We need to start yeah. at the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I think that he'll be here for the rest of the season, just because that Green Bay game kind of opened. That was the perfect opportunity to make a change. 
that second half performance really just kind of like set the stage. It's like, okay, here you go. That's a second half meltdown. Again, you, your seventh loss to the Packers on national TV, your organization's a disgrace. You're an embarrassment and no change. And like you said, John, you want, you want to see that like light a fire under their ass. And that's just like not there. And like you said, I mean, I, like I was really excited watching the first half, but when they lost to the Packers, normally I'm like upset. And this time I was just like, eh. And that's like not good because like that's not yeah. a response that you that a bear should have when you lose to the Packers. It should be you're angry to a degree, right? And I was just like, mm-hmm. eh. so I mean, but going back to the Matt Nagy of it all, I mean, I uh, unless there's just like an an epic collapse against a bad team like the Giants, or if they just get blown up by the Vikings or the Seahawks, like. But even then, we kind of saw them get blown up by the Packers, and it's you know that the McCaskies don't like to lose to the Packers, and that still did mm. nothing. So at that point, I'm going to just say he survives the season because they kind of want to you know just say they've never fired a head coach midseason. Yeah, I was more mad about how late it was rather than the outcome yes. of the game. Like I was, but at, by the time we got done doing our post game show, although I think it was like my time, it was like twelve forty five by the time I actually went to bed, and I'm thinking. Man, I I have to get up in four hours, and I all because I had to watch that because I had to watch that game. So uh, that that's what actually got me more mad than the Bears actually losing. Uh, but Aldo, I don't know if you have it available your spaceship graphic about the rest of the uh, the rest of the uh, schedule because you. You said there it. Wow, that was quick. Good job. Uh, you said that you don't see them winning another game for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's you're looking at Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings. Mm-hmm. You don't think they're going to win any of those games? I don't. Uh, playing in Seattle is going to be tough. Uh, they should easily beat the Giants at home, but there is a disturbing trend going on with the team where their lack of depth is being exposed with all these injuries that they have. And, and I think that they're, you know, they have to put certain guys on the shelf for the rest of the season because putting, you know, putting them in danger is something they probably won't want guys that are finishing up their contract. You know, Allen Robinson, there's a rumor going around that Allen Robinson has been told by his inner circle, don't play, shut it down. You know, and so that is probably happening with other guys too. Akeem Hicks really wanted to play in that Packers game. Why didn't he? Did he? Did his agent say, you know, shut it down? Um, so there's a lot of troubling things with this team that, to me, say it doesn't matter if they have a better team on paper. This team is going to lose because they just don't have the mojo going on right now. Alyssa, do you, they got they they got to have a win in there somewhere, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, at first, I was convinced that they were going to split with the Vikings, uh, and I, I they're so they're going to beat the Giants. I mean, that's a home game. I mean, the Giants are probably going to have Mike Lennon at quarterback. If the Bears lose to Mike Lennon, I don't know. Maybe that's the game that you've heard, Matt Becky. Yeah. But um, yeah. that, would, that would be perfect, right? It would, it would be like and Ryan Pace. It would be a complete full circle moment. Yes, right? lose to Mike Lennon, the guy you gave eighteen million dollars to start four games. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, I think that they're going to beat the Giants, but at this point, I wouldn't put it past them to lose, to be honest. It'll be Mike Lennon's revenge game. It oh, happens all the time against the Bears, right? <laughs> That's if, if they lose to the Giants at home, 
Well, first of all, there's probably going to be about 45 fans there. But if they lose to the Giants <laughs> at home, too. can you imagine the uproar that's going to be happening at Soldier Field? Maybe it won't happen inside the stadium because no one's going to be in there. But outside the stadium, there might be a little bit of an uproar. I think they – I honestly think they can split with the Vikings still. I still think they can split with the Vikings somehow, some way. Uh, and I think that they can beat the Giants. Maybe I'm, I don't, I, I can't believe I'm the optimist here. I can't believe that <laughs> I'm the one that's saying that. I, but I think they got two wins left in them, which would give them a six and 11 record. Uh, so yeah, I, I see. Okay. I see this as a comment. Ask John why I should continue to support this team. Oh, Isaiah, I wish I could tell you. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, bought, you bought all that Bears paraphernalia, Isaiah. That's why. There you go. Uh, well, yeah. Justin it's Fields? An invest- <laughs> it's an investment. I mean, it's it's almost like investing in Enron at this point. But it's, it's uh, but it, honestly, you, you, you're with this team through the bad and the good. And if you're a Bears team, you're with the more of the bad than you are the good. But you know what? We're always going to watch this team. We're always going to support this team. And you know what? Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's and all the head coaches and the GMs, they're going to come and go. Players are going to come and go. The Allen Robinsons of the world are going to come and go. The one constant here, hell, even ownership comes and goes every once in a while. Maybe not with the Bears so much, but even in the professional football, owners come and go. But the one thing that remains constant is the fans are always here. The fans are always going to have this team, which is why, and if I, if I can go on a little bit of a tangent, one of my biggest pet peeves in the entire world is when people try to gatekeep whether or not people can say we when they refer to their favorite team. I hate that. I, I And when I say I hate that, I mean, go ahead and say we. Go ahead and say we. Because, I, I mean, I, I don't say it much just because as a former journalist, we were told not to ever do that. And so it's, right. just, it's just second nature to me now. But... If you say we about the Bears, I don't care because you're involved with this team. You're saying we as in Chicago. You're saying we as in my team. And people that want to act holier than thou by saying, oh, how many tackles did you have in the game? Dude, you must be miserable at parties, by the way. You must just be an absolute (laughs) miserable person to be around where you think that you have the high ground by saying you can't say we. Well, the same people that say, hey, whenever you're addressing a head coach of a football team, don't address them as coach. They're not your coach. Honestly, are you that miserable in your own being that you have to gatekeep how people actually talk about their team or address another person? That is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Go ahead and say we. I'm gonna, I, I say we sometimes. You know why? Because the Chicago Bears pulled my Uncle Doug and the rest of the family out of poverty whenever there was a coal mining family out of Western Pennsylvania. I, they, The Bears are part of me. So you know what? I'm going to say we. Just like they're part of everybody else that's on this show, listening to the show, and in Chicago, or anyone else that supports the Chicago Bears, go ahead and say we. I don't care. But, that, but wow, I really went off a tangent. But you know what? We have to do this on Bears Podcast because we need stuff to talk about. But, but <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't even remember what the hell we were talking about. This is more exciting than the game, than the games usually yeah. are. So just keep going. <laughs> oh, why, why you should support this team. Let me let me get back into my – can we get back into my sedentary mode here where I, I'm turning into a zombie. But, uh, but no, you're going to support this team no matter what. And we're going to see some changes, hopefully wholesale changes in the offseason – we just have to make it until January. And, and you know what? The, the the part that sucks the most is I'm not trying to 
get overly existential here, but whenever you look at it, it's like we only get so many Bears seasons in our lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of us are in our 50th time, year watching the Bears. Some of us are in our 15th year watching the Bears and everything in between. You only get so many of them. So you hate to see one go to waste. I think that's why fans get so angry because it's just another year wasted where your team doesn't look like a competitor and it's going to happen especially if there's a rebuild where it's like this is a two to three to four year process fans are going to hate that because they don't want to waste another year of fanhood watching a team that they know is not going to be competitive is that necessary sometimes to put a good product in the field absolutely but i think people get so fired up about this because they don't want to see another eight months of their life just I don't want to say wasted, but in the in the in the sports realm, wasted because there's because you wait all year for football season. As soon as the Super Bowl is over in February, we start thinking about the draft, and after the draft, we start thinking about rookie camps. We start thinking about OTAs. We start thinking about training camp. We start thinking about preseason. We start thinking about week one, and we're just we're just getting we get amped up about football season all year round. And whenever it's blatantly obvious that your team has no business being a competitor is not a competitor you get angry because you invest so much emotionally into it you put so much of yourself into it i know as soon as the bears drafted justin fields i started getting my bears gear out normally normally i don't put that stuff back on until around the summertime because it's not really football season but man was i pumped up about justin fields man was i pumped up about the chicago bears and then whenever you have things just fall flat on you you're like damn another season down the tubes nothing really to show for it they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have a winning record. The head coach and the head coach is probably going to get fired. The GM probably going to get fired. What changes they're going to make? But I can tell you one thing though: when that happens, let's just say it happens January 10th. I think that's the la- I think that's the day after the 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 regular season. If that happens January 10th, the excitement for the Chicago Bears are going to skyrocket again. You know why? Who's going to coach the Bears? Who's going to be the GM of the Bears? Mm-hmm. Who, who are they going to go get in free agency? Who are they going to draft? I know they don't have a first-round pick, but who are they going to get with that second-round pick? And, sure. and, it, and it's going to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And we're and it's just it's, it's a 365 days of emotional investment. And that's why and, and that's why we're here. And that's why everybody else that's listening and watching this show is here. So that's why you should support this team because there's always going to be a reason to get excited. <laughs> You just got to probably have to wait until this in the second week of January this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, John has me feeling optimistic about the bears. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. I, I, I blacked out. I'm so sorry. weird. And there is the potential of Justin Fields being a transformative quarterback. Sure. And yeah. You know, yeah. he has made his fair share of rookie mistakes and that's depressed a lot of people and has people have some fans questioning his future. But I think, you know, anyone who with reason and patience can look at this guy and say, wow, he's got all the tools. There's just a a couple of mechanical things that he has to work out. And hopefully if he's surrounded with a better offensive line and more offensive weapons, this guy could be a really uh, fantastic quarterback for the next 10, 15 years for this team. So that's one reason for hope. And it's a big if because uh, it it is what it is. He's not there yet. But uh, uh, to me, I find him a, a really intriguing storyline to follow. And everything he says, everything he does, you know, we're all uh, hoping that he, he, he says it correctly and he does it uh, even better. And considering the, you know, the Bears haven't had success, the only thing that we've had is hope. 
right? Like whether it was back when Trubisky was drafted or with Justin Fields or with the young talent in place, like that's all we have because we have to hope that the Bears eventually get there, even though in the back of our minds, we kind of know that it's going to kind of be the same thing. But when you go out and like John said, when, when they drafted Justin Fields, I was jumping up and down, standing right here watching my TV. Like it was exciting. It was that, that's something that doesn't happen a lot, especially when you're down on the team and there's not really much to look forward to. And they go out and make a move like that. It gives you hope, which is something that we haven't had and we don't have a lot of right now. But, you know, I'm, I think Fields is enough reason to kind of just, you know, be hopeful or optimistic for the future and hopefully they get the right guy around him to coach him up and get the right talent around him. So, I mean, I'm so optimistic because of field. So, yeah. And, and I said this because we, we've been doing this show a while now. And, and so I said this when they drafted Trubisky and it was uh, Trubisky's rookie season and they looked bad. It was the last year of John Fox and this team looks just awful. I remember saying on this show, at least there's something to look forward to. Can you imagine if they wouldn't? Because I wasn't a huge Trubisky supporter, and I didn't love the draft pick, quite frankly. Uh, but I, I remember saying, can you imagine if they didn't draft a quarterback this year and we just had to go through the entire season watching Mike Glennon play quarterback for the Chicago Bears? Can you <laughs> oh want to imagine God, that year? That. There would have there been absolutely no reason to watch that team, much like this year. If they wouldn't have been able to draft Justin Fields and they decide they were going to go with Andy Dalton for the duration of this season, can you imagine there's not even hope? There's 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 not even a reason to watch because you can't see your franchise quarterback develop or get better or progress or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. At least like you said Alyssa, there's a reason to be hopeful. And so we had that in 2017, clearly did not work out. But they we have it again in 2021. We have a better. I have a better feeling about this one. I have. I have a much better feeling about this being the quarterback. So, uh, I, I there's always a reason. You can always find something to be hopeful. Maybe as Bears fans, we have to program that into our brain to say, "What is there to be hopeful for?" It's not going to be the. It's not going to be the win loss record. But what is there to be hopeful for with, with this franchise? So we're going to have to keep doing that at least for the next four weeks. Although you're just you're just the. Uh, negative nancy here not they're not going to win another game according to you i know Alyssa this is very one. weird that's normally our angle <laughs> yeah i gave them two wins what, what I, I, how am won. i the most optimistic uh, for this team to, to to you know to really rally and get six wins for this year uh, you ever, with, you ever really, seen that movie freaky friday where uh, the the mother and daughter change personality yeah. i think maybe that's what's been going on here <laughs> It's gonna be. I'm sure that I'm sure the Giants are loving this because uh, they get the Bears' first round pick, and the worse the Bears are, the better their first round pick is gonna be. So, <laughs> the the Giants have ever the Giants will have motivation to beat the Bears. If they beat the Bears, it's even further down in the draft order that they get a much higher pick. So, uh, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. They're There's always something. Right They're at number five. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm. well. You know what? I'm glad they. Uh, I, I'm glad they got Justin Fields. I'm not gonna be like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have done that because I yeah. do. I'm, and, yeah. and, you, and you look at the look at the quarterbacks in this year's draft class. There ain't no Justin Fields in that draft class. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm. They did what they had to do, and I'm glad they did it uh, because I don't know if there's anybody at five that was gonna even gonna you know come close to what they can have in, in Justin Fields. So that yeah. it is. It is what it is. Todd McShay of ESPN uh, released his first mock draft, and uh, he's got five quarterbacks going in the first round, but all five of those quarterbacks are 
rated behind the top five quarterbacks that went in this past draft. So he's got Justin Fields ahead of the five quarterbacks that are coming out in this draft. And so that was a, uh, you know, uh, we criticized Ryan Pace, but that was actually one of the few brilliant moves that he made was trading up with the Giants to acquire that pick and, and, and pick up Justin Fields. That could be his, you know, his lasting legacy when this team is winning Super Bowls in five years and Justin Fields is the quarterback, people will might remember, yeah, wasn't it Ryan Pace that drafted Justin Fields? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a trivia in question. <laughs> That's right, exactly. When he's long gone. The, long gone. <laughs> I was going to ask, who are the five teams that are going to be drafting a quarterback, though? I mean, and, I, mean I don't know. You, uh, you have that season, in front of you who he has? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I actually don't have it in front of me, but uh, and, and which is one of the reasons why the first quarterback off his mock draft, I think it was at 15, because the first 14 teams weren't in dire need of a quarterback other than the Lions, but there's clearly no quarterback coming out in the draft who's worth the first overall pick. And they had Sam, he had Sam Howell going to the Lions with their 29th uh, pick of the first round because they've got two first rounders. Yeah, I'm just looking over the I'm just looking over the NFL right now, and I uh, I I guess you could say the 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 Denver Broncos will probably be looking for a quarterback at some point. Um probably the, the Steelers could be, the Saints could be, the Texans, mm -hmm. although they did they did use their highest pick this year on Davis Mills, even though he was a third rounder. Well then maybe they maybe they want to see where that where that goes. Uh I, I suppose Washington would be looking for a team. Washington, and then the fifth, I think, was uh, Philadelphia because he thought that Jalen Hurts uh, has made a lot of progress this season, but not enough to say he's the future. Let's bring in another young guy in case Hurts uh, doesn't work out in his third season. Oh, you mean drafting wow. a quarterback every year? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Much like, that. Yeah, that is it. Uh, a page out of Ryan Pace's book that he never decided to open. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, you could even say the Giants could be in the market for a quarterback. If they get a new GM or they decide to move on the head coach, maybe uh, Daniel Jones is not what the new regime would want. Maybe they move on. Uh, so I guess I, at first I didn't think there was going to be five teams that would actually need a quarterback, but apparently there's always five teams that need a quarterback in the NFL yeah. because it's, it's the most coveted position in all professional sports that you got to get right. It's it's probably the most important position in professional sports that you got to get right. Cause if you don't have it, cause I think, I think the Denver Broncos are a really good quarterback away from being a real contender. I think, uh, you know, as much as people tend to criticize Vic Fangio as a head coach, I think that team is really good across the board except for the, the most important position on the field. Uh, right. So if, if, if they would go out and get an Aaron Rodgers in the, in the off season, I think that they could potentially be seen as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I hope he goes. <laughs> that, that's another uh, thing to be hopeful for though. Right. Is that yeah, this is Aaron right. Rodgers' last year in green Bay. How, how about his uh, interview with the Pat McAfee show where he said, yeah. um, he's, they said, do you love being a Packer? And he paused for about six really awkward <laughs> sentence, seconds. And said, uh, I just love playing ball. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, I think Aaron Rodgers is taking every every avenue to keep the spotlight on himself uh, because he knows that's leverage. And so whenever he puts his toe up to the camera during a press conference or, you know, he, you know, the, he talks about 
uh, this, this, you know, these cryptic things about how he loves to play ball and you know, uh, all this other stuff. I think that he, and especially when Jordan Love had to start a game and it did not go as well as they were hoping it would go. So I think that Aaron Rodgers just loves all this leverage that he keeps pulling up. And they, they, and they, if they, they're in line to be at least a Super Bowl contender, if they make a deep run, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it sounds like he loves to have options. It sounds like he loves to be able to choose his own destiny in a sport that doesn't always allow you to do that. So uh, I think that he's taking every opportunity to soak this up. I think he's probably having more fun this year than he has any other year. Uh, and maybe that's because he knows he controls his future in, uh, in, in the NFL. So if I had my way, I'd love to see him in Denver. Uh, go ahead and I don't want to send him to Pittsburgh really because they don't that would just be that would just be Pittsburgh's luck to get Aaron Rodgers after yeah. Ben Roethlisberger all those years no no they they they, they shouldn't get him send him to Denver uh, you know send him to a, it's going to be a team that because whoever goes and gets Aaron Rodgers is going to have to give up like three first round picks <laughs> because they're going to they're going to have to deplete themselves of draft picks so it's it's whoever is an Aaron Rodgers away from the Super Bowl and that's why I thought that Pittsburgh and Denver made sense because they have the they kind of have the talent in place to be a good contender they just needed to shore up the quarterback position um so I I can't see a, a rebuilding team like the Texans going out and getting Rodgers, nor would he want to go there to be honest with you uh, because he's going to have a little bit of say on where he gets traded. Um, and I don't think they want to send him to the NFC. So I don't see him being in new Orleans, even though they are probably a quarterback away from, you know, being a real Super Bowl contender. I don't think green Bay is going to trade him within the NFC either. So uh, I can see him going into the AFC and the, the teams that are probably best set to compete right away with him would be Pittsburgh or Denver. Um, I, I assume Carson Wentz is going to stay in Indianapolis uh, for for another year, so probably not there. Can't see him really in Tennessee. Yeah, Las Vegas. I don't. I I, I don't know. But <laughs> Vegas is a possibility. You know, uh, yeah. Luca wrote in uh, uh, Bears Wire that uh, Aaron Rodgers actually gave a compliment to Justin Fields. Isn't that right, Alyssa? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. It kind of felt like he was passing the torch too, right? Like maybe that's his exit, right? From the mm-hmm. NFC North. He's like, okay, kid, your turn. And, and I'm good with like Aaron Rodgers going anywhere outside of the NFC North, just so we don't have to play him twice a year. Like I will be happy with that, but I do say I'm going to the AFC, but yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that was cause I mean, he, when he, when someone like Aaron Rodgers kind of sees the star qualities and star potential in someone like Justin Fields. I mean, that's, that's special. And this isn't like a press conference where he's kind of like prompted, you know, like when you're playing a team that week and you have to say something nice, even though you might not need it, you know, mean it. So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. him kind of going out of the way and kind of, you know, praising Fields for that. And, you know, it, and kind of like giving him a tip in a way. And he was kind of like saying, this is what you need to be or what you need to do to be successful, right? Focus on an area, one area of improvement every year. That's also what veterans do. Like, I mean, it was, I actually, it was nice of Aaron. Right? I never thought I'd say those words, but that was pretty nice of Aaron to say that about Justin. So, I mean, we'll see yeah. if he's right. And hopefully that's the case. But like, like John, I feel confident that they'll get it right this time. I hope so. Yep. Let's hope. Well, we hope. Uh, th- yeah, we have to. And we just turned this whole Bears podcast, especially this segment, into let's just talk about the NFL because it's more exciting than the Chicago Bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, right. so we, we, we were able to 
we need some news to come out of Hallis Hall because you know when once McCaskey talks or Pace talks, there's going to be a lot for us to talk about, to to dissect, and to speculate on. So, uh, but right now, you know, we're talking about a dead fish. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There's a dead fish there. Okay, every there week. <laughs> That's <Yep>. right. <laughs> Same I mean, thing every week. The, the amount uh, – we've won one game in 66 days, oh uh, Dan Weaver wrote in that article. How how painful is that? One game in 66 days. That's just – that should not happen in professional sports to any team, much less the Bears, the, the charter franchise of the National Football League. It's At this point, it's almost as if Roger Goodell needs to step in and say, okay, uh, Mr. McCaskey <laughs> and Mr. Virginia McCaskey, we, we've got a problem here. So I've brought in the health department to clean things up here. <laughs> so it's they, there, there has to be something done uh, because it's not good for the NFL when, you know, the Chicago Bears, who usually draw very, very well when they're on national TV, when they're playing this poorly, you're going to lose uh, television audience. And so the NFL should probably get involved, too, and at least, you know, point out certain things that Bears management has to do. And that starts with uh, making some changes at the very top. That's why Peyton and they, Eli refused to, to do their yeah. Monday night games. This is the <laughs> second straight Monday night game. They're like, we want no part of that. Although I would love that. I mean, they should want to kind of do that game or they can kind of talk. There's plenty to talk about. Yeah, I'm shocked that they didn't want to, you know, talk about Rodgers. Maybe, maybe it was because of Rodgers that they didn't want to talk mm-hmm. about, but I'm surprised they didn't want to talk about Rodgers and Fields. Uh, and that was a, a bit disappointing. I was hoping to hear their comments on that. They, the, they, and by they, I mean the Chicago Bears, have lost seven of their last eight, and that's going back to their last win uh, not that the last one, but after beating the Raiders mm-hmm. on October 10th, remember that fun time? They were like, oh, maybe they're I'm not terrible. <laughs> they've lost, they've, they they've lost seven of eight. Seven <laughs> of eight since, uh, and, since October And now they beat the Lions, and that they should have lost that Barely. game. They should have lost to the Lions. So, so like, their last one was how many days is that from the Raiders win? Mm. Whatever October 10th is, so what, <laughs> what, half a year? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 30 days, I think. But, yeah, I agree. And I was at the Bears-Lions game at Soldier Field, and the Lions did everything possible to give that game away. They were in the red zone multiple times, and they had stupid decisions, uh, botched plays, and so forth. And the Lions could have easily have beaten the Bears twice this season. The only legitimate win – I think that the Bears had this season was the win against the Cincinnati Bengals week two. Um, outside of that, you know, they could have easily lost every other game on the schedule, and uh, it's it's frustrating. I I don't see there being light at this tunnel un- unless they make the major moves. Uh, if they come back again, you know, if they come up, they have a press conference to say, listen, we know you're not going to like this, but we did see oh, some no. progress because of this young player and that young player and that young player. Then, you know, maybe we should, you know, just talk about booze here at the Barroom Network and not bears. Yeah. <laughs> there'll, be no, there'll be nothing to talk about anymore. There'll be, there'll be nothing to talk about because we've been almost doing the same show for two years now mm-hmm. where it's just like there's yeah. a couple wrinkles here and there, but essentially we've been talking about the same thing for two years. And mm-hmm. so uh, if you, if you would have told me at the, at the beginning of the season, if who would see this as a worst loss, 
if the Bengals lose to the Bears or the Bears lose to the Bengals, who would who would regret that loss more? I would say, man, if the Bears lose to the Bengals, that could really keep them out of the playoffs. Now, the Bengals <laughs> losing to the Bears, they're going to look back and be like, oh, my God, we lost to the Bears, and that's what's going to keep us out of the playoffs? We lost to the Bears way back in, what was that, September or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's, 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 I mean, we hit new lows, but when you think about it, Holy crap! We beat the we our best win at the end of the year might end up being the Bengals. <laughs> like yeah. who, who's their best? Who's their best win? Be, because right now I don't know if any of those teams uh, certainly not the Lions, but like uh, is it uh, is it Vegas or Cincy? I don't think either one of them are technically in the top seven right now. Are they as far as playoffs go? I, I'm, I like the Bengals might be flirting with it. Yeah, I think the yeah, Bengals they might are be, they might be in. Yeah. Okay. So their best win this year might be the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Would you have believed that going into the season? <laughs> no, no. I, that was one of the games early in the schedule. Well, they, yeah, you know, you should you should beat them easily because that that's not a playoff team yet. But Joe Burrow is finally getting it going, and um, I'm looking at the uh, they're four and two at uh, away. So the the Bears actually handed them one of the two losses of the six games that they've won on the road. I mean, they they're four and two away so the bears handed them one of those two losses which is pretty good uh the Bengals are in a a bit of a losing streak here they're seven and six having lost two in a row so they're maybe knocking themselves out of the playoff race but technically they're still in it i think they have a if i if i remember correctly they play the broncos this week which is a huge game because both of those teams are uh seven and six and that's mm-hmm. i don't want to call it an, i don't want to call it an elimination game because a lot of those teams still have a bunch of divisional games but that's a big game as far as wild card implications because then there's the head-to-head tiebreaker and uh you're you're obviously one game in so both that's gonna be a big game you know it's it's bad because listen i love 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 playoff football I adore NFL playoff football. It, it, it is so exciting. Uh, I just wish we could talk about the Bears when it comes to that. I wish you could be. I, I, like, I, I wish that we could talk about our team in there because I love talking about scenarios and who has to beat who and who has the tiebreaker here. It's just, it's just like it gets my blood pumping. I think it's it's just interesting. I love it. I'm super passionate about. We're coming down to the last. So we got to win this one. We got to win this one. Everything's on the line because the games mean so much more now. Because now it's just like winning you're in or loser goes home. And mm-hmm. you know what? The Bears went home and the Bears went home in October. So it's like it's it, it, it sucks that we can't have that talking about our team. But I still love playoff football. We're getting closer and closer to it. Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess it starts a week later now because there's eight here. There's 17 games, but still, uh, just it's just a fun time to be a football fan. Even if you're a Bears fan, if you're a football fan, it's still fun to watch. So it's and we got Saturday games this week. We got uh, uh, there's two games on Saturday. I think Patriots and Colts and Browns and Raiders. The Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if they don't move <laughs> the game, the yeah, line. that's the, yeah, they got there's so many players on the COVID list. That, I mean, I don't know if they're going to start moving games or not, but uh, 
we, we will see. But, hey, guys, we ended up going about a, an hour and 45 on this podcast, and we haven't really talked about the Bears in about the last half hour. So how, how <laughs> how cool that? Is that? Not surprised. Cool. <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to take this uh, formula moving forward, depending on what happens on Monday night. But we're having more fun just talking football than we are Bears. And I'm sorry if our listeners are like, get, to, get back to the Bears. And at this point, if you're really asking us to get back to the Bears, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> brand new. Yeah, yeah. But let's 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 shut this down. Uh before we head out, I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening and watching this show, whether it's the live version or the podcast version, the video version, or the audio version. Uh, this is just really fun. And you can tell by us just uh, you know, sometimes I forget that we're you know we're broadcasting live or we're doing the show because we're just talking about football. We love doing that. So make sure you tune in to all the programs here at the Barroom Network. We got great Bears programming all throughout the week. We got this show on Wednesday, the Bear Debate on Tuesday with myself and Tyler Ellis, Greg Gay. Gabriel on Monday, breaking down the Bears' performance and the Bears' future. Of course, Bear Football, the post-game show with Aldo, with Tyler Ellis, and myself will be on directly after the Monday night game. I'm going to have to stay up until like midnight again watching the Chicago Bears. Alyssa, you're going to be in the same boat as well. Uh, and Danny Shimon going to be on tomorrow on Thursday, breaking down the tape, telling us what the Bears did right, telling us what they did wrong, probably a lot more of the latter. But once again, appreciate everyone who listens to this show. We've been doing it for a long time and we just, it, it, it just baffles me that people are still listening to us talk football. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, Alyssa, before we get out of here, what do you got going on? Tell you know what you tell us a little bit about what you're working on. I'm always, you know, I'm always spewing about what we got going on here. <laughs> tell people to go to bears wire, right? read, read a real journalist. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you head over to Bears where I mean, we're getting ready for the game. But I do have a lot of kind of off-season stuff. I just posted 10 coaching candidates to replace Matt Nagy. Got the Ted Phillips stuff up there. Going to be kind of grading the rookie. I'm like kind of doing kind of like postseason stuff at the, like already, but kind of like hinting towards the end. A lot of, you know, speculation. So we we got you covered. If you're if you're ready to kind of delve into what's going to be a pretty busy off-season, uh, Maybe even an exciting offseason. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so check it out over at Bears Wire. And make sure you uh, let me add that the best way to stay informed about all the great things happening here at the Bar Room is to follow us on social media at Bar Room Network. And you can find us all across social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, or here on YouTube. Excellent you stuff. It all. I, I'll just say this. Science Fliction yeah. at 9 p.m. in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the guys are going to talk about... Um, all the latest science fiction movies. Uh, they've got a good show planned. I know that. But uh, uh, so that starts in about 15, 20 minutes and should go an hour or so. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much once again for tuning in. We'll be back. We'll try to put a positive spin on something next week. But for Aldo Gandia and Alyssa Barbieri, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.